We're dominated by the Sicko Satchel today, the most underrated and overrated Hornet on the roster currently. Another what-if scenario, and yeah, we're already dealing with another injury here with the Charlotte Hornets all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. And as always, that includes YouTube. That's Doug Branson. No, he is not the injured player I was talking about. You <laughs> well, can go I am. Check him out. I am, but, it, but not the one you were talking about. Oh, That's right. Yeah, you're, you're injured, just not the one that I was referring to. Go check out his work, everyhornetsboxscore.com. He's still putting stuff up there despite his injury. And you Staying can listen hydrated. to me on yeah, there you go. WFNZ every single weekday. Check me out from 12 to 3 p.m. You can also follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. Real quickly, I did want to mention that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We appreciate their support as always. Official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So we got some sicko satchel questions here. We're going to hold off on the list again. We're going to do the list. Top 35 players of all time. <laughs> top 35 nicknames of all time. <laughs> We're going to give you that tomorrow at the end, right? And then the schedule breakdown will reveal all of that stuff. But you are the keeper of the sicko satchel, as we mentioned yesterday. So I know you wanted to bring a couple of other questions to lead us off here, Doug. What do you have for us? Well, I'm still recovering. I'm not quite there. Not quite 100%. My voice is, it's, we'll see if it holds. Uh, but the sicko satchels really come through because listen to this first question mm -hmm. from Alexander-SN1WU. Who do you guys think are the most underrated and overrated players currently on the roster that's right walker one of your yeah. favorite radio games a little and mine too a little underrated overrated it's like i know that alexander dash sn1wu did not know that this week i would be ill but wow coming through with an underrated <laughs> overrated conversation is the perfect thing it's like chicken soup for the sicko satchel it's amazing for the soul for the sicko soul is for what the it sicko is. soul that's right mm -hmm. that's what it is 100 percent um i was about to say is this kind of like your medicine now that you get to have mm. uh, overrated underrated conversation and, and here's my question real quickly because of the the nickname list we're holding off on that just a little bit are you not prepared research wise or are you not prepared because your research your energy cannot match the work that you've put into this right yeah. now. You're a big energy guy and you're playing injured. So I want to know how exactly you're not ready to go with that list right now. No, the research is done. It's, it's yeah. the, it's the latter. It's that I okay. respect my list. Unlike yeah. you, you change your list every day. Like Kevin O'Con, man, I respect oh, my, my list. category coming up next. You're going to love it. I respect my list and I want to make sure that it gets every part of me and and at this mm. moment in time there's not a hundred percent of me on camera right now there's about 75 percent of me and i, I don't want to disrespect the list by not giving it a hundred percent okay i love it um we'll hold off then we'll hold off until you're 100 ready to go do you want to start us off here since this is your chicken soup bowl i don't want to eat it since you're the sick guy so who do you have and who do you want to start with overrated underrated well i think this is an interesting question walker because I could pick a couple of guys for sure that I think are underrated. Overrated is going to be a more difficult conversation in my mind because I think 
you know, most Hornets are either properly rated or underrated. I, I don't, there's just right. not a lot of hype around this team. Nobody, nobody believes in this team. Um, and so I struggle. I, I don't think I could even answer it from a national perspective who is overrated. I think there is one guy in my mind that might be overrated by our local hive, our fan base, and that would be Kai Jones. I think people think that Kai yeah. Jones is more ready to be in a regular rotation role than he actually is. I think they see a lot of the highlight plays that he produces on both ends of the floor, whether it be you know, the Euro steps, the high-flying dunks, the putbacks, or on the defensive end, the way he can steal the basketball and blocks. I mean, just some amazing blocks. But they see those plays, and they blind themselves – to the mistakes that he makes regularly, the small things that really keep you in a rotation that he hasn't been able to produce. So if we, if we want to start overrated, that would just be the one guy that I would feel like locally, because I don't think people are overrating him nationally, but locally, I think we give a little too much uh, credit to. Yeah, overrated. It's tough to come up with some guys. I mean, I'll tell you maybe an aspect, not necessarily with a player, but I don't even know if it's the case anymore. I think going into last offseason, Cody Martin's defense was a little overrated. Mm -hmm. I think people saw him as a guy that was just this monster point of attack defender that didn't let you get by him. And while <laughs> he might be the better, the best now that Dennis Smith Jr. is off the roster too. So he came and went as a better defender but now he's already gone as we're having this conversation but cody martin is one of the better perimeter defenders that they have on this roster and so i think because he was like one or two we rated him as a stalwart but he's not really so well, but i do think he's good but i think maybe that aspect is something that comes up to mind as i look at the payroll here but that's not even cody martin's fault like that that well, is no, none of this is any of the players fault. I mean, no, no, right. but but yeah. I think in particular for Cody Martin, that's not his fault. It, it, it's that we overrated him because there was literally no mm -hmm. one else. You know what I'm saying? Like the the half yeah. court backcourt defense is so porous that if you have one player that can stick with a guard, you're going to go, oh man, that's that's an asset for this team. Um, you well, know, I I'll think even say yeah, my well, bat, I honestly offensively, Doug, I actually think he was a tiny bit underrated too to balance yeah. it out. To be honest, I, I loved his back cuts. He was a really smart player as far as like kind of finding a space in the zone, especially when a point guard was getting downhill. Lamella Ball could hit him on a cut. But, anyways, yeah, just to balance the scale a little bit. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Okay, underrated. Uh, I think to me, the list for underrated starts with Mark Williams. Do you disagree? Do you Nationally, 100%. Yeah. Locally, I think we know what we have. Nationally, there's no doubt about it. Right. Because any list you see about the rookie centers, about the young bigs out there, it all they all have Jalen Duran. They all have Walker Kessler. If you want to go with um, the second-year, third-year guys, they'll have Alperin Shingun, who Mark Williams just destroyed when they played. And, it, God, it was glorious. I love that game for Mark Williams. So they don't have those lists. Mark is not on the list, Doug. I think nationally right now he is maybe even by far the most underrated player. Like I, I don't want to be one of these guys that say, oh, it's not even close. Because as soon as you say it's blank and not even close, then I'm going to look at you with an eyebrow raise. Like, all right, we can have nuance. At the same time, 
I feel like Mark Williams just isn't mentioned at all when we talk about the good young bigs in this league. And it all has to do with him not seeing any significant rotation minutes until after Christmas. Exactly. If if Mark Williams, if Mark Williams had started early on and put up the numbers, which I think you and I would both challenge that idea that he would have started early and put up similar numbers. I think that mm-hmm. not starting to, to off the jump actually helped him to achieve some of the things that he achieved later on in the season. But had he done that, then yeah, you would not be seeing these conversations around a PJ Washington sign and trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers and folks going, well, yeah, they could just give the Hornets Jared Allen. That would be a perfect fit. I read that and I'm like, do people know that Mark Williams exists? Now, Mark Williams has a challenge ahead of him this upcoming season. He will be the starter and he's going to start every game, including the games against teams with legitimate size at the center position. That's where the underrated is going to meet the road, if you will, because mm-hmm. he, you know, I think he did really, I think he did extremely well. He put up gaudy numbers against teams that didn't have size down low. I mean, you look at his games against Oklahoma City, you you mentioned the game against the Rockets, teams that were playing small at that position. You know, his challenge this season, has he put on a little bit of muscle? Is he going to be a little bit more physical? Can he put up decent numbers against teams uh, that have, have a little bit more beef down low? You know, that that's when, you know, we're going to find out. And that's when the national media will find out. That's when the national media, yeah. I think, will jump on board and say, all right, yeah, we've been underrating Mark Williams a little bit. 100%. I, I really like that answer. Nationally, I think we've gotten to a point where Lamella Ball is kind of underrated right now. I mean, people discuss him, I, especially with some of the look, you go to Zach Lowe. Zach Lowe talked about LaMelo being a little ball hoggy this year. He was mm-hmm. throwing up a lot of shots. Mm-hmm. And I think you bring him a peg down when you hear that kind of analysis, right? Just even nationally listening to some of these popular podcasts. We all know about the Bill Simmons pod where, you know, they've talked about him. Hey, can they actually participate in the playoffs before we rank him in this kind of upper echelon category. I think we've gotten there a little bit with LaMelo and then some other under underrated players. I, I think it's all, it all goes back to my top 35 list. When I had Gordon Hayward make it, you know, Gordon Hayward is good when he's on the floor and he helps LaMelo and he helps a lot of people because you can just put him in whatever spot, but it's the availability that drives you mad. And I was one that still, I, I did not then. And I don't now like the contract. I never liked that decision to bring Gordon Hayward in, even with a little bit of understanding, never liked it, but I'm not going to call him a bad basketball player. He helps this team when he's on the floor. I think people lose sight of that because the dude is always injured. And I understand why that's extremely frustrating. Well, you bring up the word that I think is most important to this conversation to really any conversation about underrated, overrated with any team. And that word is playoffs. Because playoffs, that's the litmus test. That mm-hmm. allows us to really see, have we been underrating or overrating this player? Because it's the most pressure-filled. You're playing, and I'm not talking about play-in, I'm talking about playoffs. When you're playing teams multiple times, when you can strategize, when teams can strategize against you, then we find out what your true rating is. And I think that applies to LaMelo. I think it also applies to P.J. Washington. And it's why when you look at career high numbers and you look at some articles that go, wow, P.J. plays really well on both ends of the floor and he does all of these things. And yet teams 
were not salivating. They were not chomping at the bid. They were chomping at the bid to get Grant Williams, but they weren't P.J. Washington. And it's because well, that's, of one thing. that's strong, though, right? Like, they weren't chomping at the bid. Dallas just decided to pay a million more than an MLE, and he got 12, I'm just saying million. if P.J. Washington had participated, <laughs> I'm just, listen, if he had participated no, in multiple playoff series or even one playoff series and put up decent numbers, he'd have a that's $20 million dollar contract right now. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. No, that's totally fair. Do we want to delve a little bit more? I'm, I'm going to look. Oh, you're, you love it. Out. You're just, you're all in it. You love, you want oh, a second PJ. helping. No, you no, want no, a second no. helping of this chicken soup. Not PJ, not PJ. I did want a second helping of the overrated yeah, convo. That's what I'm saying. See, I got out of, I got out of here unscathed. And then I decided, you know what? I actually do want to go back into the dark. That's where I want to go back go. And, and then get cast eyes. Um, Nick Richards. Okay, let's so look, hold on, hold on. I I, I want to hear that. Let's do it. Let's do it on the okay. other side. Let's let's get people to the other side All because right. Nick Richards is an interesting conversation. I want to make sure it has its full time. All right, there you go. There's the tease coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I go back into the cave of darkness and talk about some of the players on the roster that are overrated. Find out next another player that I might have alongside Nick Richards. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and even more than that. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sport book. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. More LockedOn Hornets coming up next. All right, so Nick Richards. All right, let's just go right back there, okay? Um, I like the contract. $5 million a year. Totally cool with it. Fair. I've talked about it being a sweetener for a potential trade, easy contract to match. Good depth. I actually like him as a backup center. And maybe this all has to do with what my perception is of what the Hornets fan base perception is of Nick Richards, mm -hmm. right? Like this is kind of baked into the conversation. We discuss overrated, underrated. Mm -hmm. what, what I think is people like Nick Richards enough to the point where they think he's a really good defender. And because he's a great offensive rebounder, that I'm not going to take away from him. He's really, for some reason, we've had monster offensive rebounders and Billy Hernan Gomez and Nick Richards as mm -hmm. like backup centers, mm -hmm. just monster rebounders there. So Nick Richards is very good at that, but I don't view him as this amazing rim protector that you just can't get by. I know some of the numbers even will point to Nick Richards being a good rim protector, but Doug, you and I have talked about him not being able to play post defense well enough. People will get positioned, especially defensive rebounding. He's not great at, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think maybe a tiny bit based off what the Hornets fan base perception is of Nick, but totally fair deal worth being on the roster, especially as the backup center. Like I'm totally fine with all of that. Just wanted to open that door up for conversation, if you will. It's true, but if Nick Richards has been hiding a three-point shot all along, that completely changes the calculus. <laughs> he goes from so yes, that is true. He goes from overrated to underrated, uh, and and that's how no, easily yeah, that's not. how easily the switch can flip uh, with uh, with a center. If all of a sudden mm -hmm. that center can shoot threes, especially on this team where they don't really have mm -hmm. that, um, then then it, same thing with Kai Jones. You know, I, I said Kai Jones overrated. If he comes in. Knocking down three-point shots, it completely changes the calculus on that, and he becomes underrated. Um, do we do we talk about Terry at all, or not really? Do we do we move on from the Terry combo? 
I just think he's properly rated. I don't think that anyone <laughs> is overrating him or underrating him. I think he's Fan base loves him, which, you know, maybe that's a part of the attitude and the stuff just because you didn't think you were going to get anything from Kimba Walker leaving. And Terry absolutely blew all that out of the water, right? Because it was a joke about how the Charlotte Hornets traded Kemba. You know, hey, we we got a trade. We got a player back. And everybody joked about it. Oh, you got Terry on an $18 million a year deal. whoop de doo you traded him for nothing. And that was squashed pretty immediately. And so that's what I think is great about Terry coming over here. I, you know, the... I wish, yeah, I, I wish Terry, I think Terry has to be set up in the backcourt. I, I think we saw it with Devontae Graham. Once Devontae moved to point guard, we saw Devontae help Terry out. And that actually helped his career even further when he was a combo guy instead of the point guard. And kudos to him. We gave him a lot of credit for transitioning that way, right? He said pre-All-Star break that year that Devontae took the starting point guard spot that he had to work through some things as far as his identity change, but did, and it helped his career. And then LaMelo comes over and is going to make everybody better, including Terry. I, I wonder if, you know, just, I wish Terry was able to do some of this, some of this stuff and make the team better by himself a little more, but that's not the player he is. And I think maybe people do view him as that player. Well, and I, and Kelly Oubre wasn't that player either. And, and but I don't think like, I don't no. think people look at Terry Rozier and think, well, that's that's an all-star level player that's not getting his all-star love and he's indispensable and you can't trade him. I, mean, I, think, I think the majority of the fan base understands that if the Hornets got the right offer for Terry Rozier, mm -hmm. they, they should move off of that contract. because. But they also, I hope that they can keep two things in their head at the same time, that that would be a savvy move for the Hornets to make and, and one that would – signal an evolution towards a legitimate playoff contender, but also understand that what Terry Rozier has contributed to this team has kept them in, in the non-injury context from being a complete disaster. Like Terry Rozier has, has made them, especially if you look back like two seasons ago, even though he didn't play well in the play-in game, and we can be fair about that in either play-in game really, mm -hmm. but, but help them offensively become a team that could win ball games that maybe they should they would not have won otherwise. And the clutch stuff was outrageous two years in a row because it was it was funny the first year that he had the crazy clutch stats, history shows you that you're going to regress to the mean the next year, except Terry didn't. And you had two years of an outrageous clutch run. Now it didn't happen last year. And of course, nothing good happened last year for the Hornets, but right. So anyways, that's the Terry combo. What's the next sicko satchel question you have? Okay, next one. We're going back into Hornets history. It's a great question from QC-T. How does Hornets history change if they don't blow the 3-2 lead to Milwaukee in the 2001? It was a second-round series against Milwaukee. They had the 3-2 lead. They lose game six. Very similar to 2016, blowing the 3-2 lead to Miami. But they lose to Milwaukee. They don't get a trip to their first Eastern Conference Finals where they would have played Allen Iverson and the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think it will look, it changes drastically. Wow. Now, now you erase one of the worst marks in all of sports and that the Hornets have quite literally <laughs> never made a conference finals. True. So immediately you erase one of the more embarrassing stats people bring up to make your team feel inferior. Okay. Nope. No longer. Hey, 
We got to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2001. So now you can't tell me that anymore. The other thing is, here, I'll bring up Bill Simmons again. He's getting a lot of pub on this pod. But I remember when they, man, I, I forget what they were doing, what the overall subject was. But they were talking about that conference finals. For the East, it was weak. Allen Iverson and the narrative that he drug everybody there, where it was Eric Snow and Aaron McKee winning sixth man of the year that year, right? Like that that roster, it did not have another all-star on it, except for Dikembe for being a, a defensive legend, but you get the idea. So Bill Simmons talked about how Milwaukee might have been the better team in that series, okay? And Milwaukee, I believe that series went the distance too, except Allen Iverson went superhuman. So if Charlotte gets to Philadelphia... And if you go back and think that maybe Milwaukee was the better team in that 01 Eastern Conference Finals, like there, look, there is a non-zero chance, a pretty big non-zero chance that the Hornets get to the NBA Finals. There is a shot there. If Milwaukee was the better team, but AI went supernova and Charlotte was within a Ray Allen corner three away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals then you're two steps in front of the thing where everybody brings up you've never even reached a conference finals and an NBA finals appearance you know you go back and look at series you're getting a lot more hardwood classics you're getting a lot more note about hey that was fun to see both of those teams go at it you're etched in history even if you don't win you're etched in history as far as the fallout from all of that goes, Doug, you probably have more information on that. I just think it erases a lot of the butts of the jokes type thing that the Hornets fans experience right now. This was a great defensive team. Uh, they were top five or six, sixth in the league in defensive rating, 99.5. Uh, just a lot of hard-nosed defensive players, uh, you know, Baron Davis at the point. The big cat, P.J. Brown, down low. It's your first season with uh, Jamal McGlure. You had Mashburn providing enough, just enough offense to complement uh, that defense. Uh, David Wesley doing David Wesley things. This was, good. this was a really good team, and I agree. They yeah. actually – I don't know what their – I can't recall their record against Philadelphia, but I've looked this up in the past, and it wasn't like they had lost every game to Philadelphia. Uh, I, they either tied or maybe had one game up on Philly that year. So I think the you know playoffs different, but I think they matched up decently well. I agree with you. There was a non-zero chance. You know, it's tough to bet against Allen Iverson in, in that era of Philadelphia 76ers basketball. But if you're going to bet against them, why not with a team that almost had a top five defense in the league and and were playing better defensively as the year went on and into the playoffs. So I agree with you there. Now, but I think the crux of his question or, or, or his or her question, QC T. You know, would Hornets history have changed in terms of them moving? And for that, I can't say that I'm too confident that it would have. Because if you look back at that time, the goose was really already cooked. Uh, the city had turned fully against George Shin. And then George Shin did not sell the team in 99 or did not sell part of the team in 99 to Michael Jordan. Instead, brought in Ray Wooldridge who had one, as soon as he was part of the organization, had one foot out the door and one foot in New Orleans. And the referendum, the city referendum to vote on giving the Hornets a new uptown arena was literally days after the, this series ended. And the vote was 53 to 47 against giving them the money. And that vote was a vote against George Shin. It actually was a vote not just for the stadium, but like a whole arts package. <laughs> so they punished a lot of arts funding in Charlotte 
uh, which I think later would be like separated from the stadium deal and, and passed. But the, the city was just so upset with George Shin because of the sexual assault allegations and the trial that that he was a part of and uh, just everything involved with the team. Like you, you even go look back at some of the glory years of the Charlotte Hornets franchise and this city, which I think pre transplant era of Charlotte was very much like uh, just did not like rich people. <laughs> and so like they were just <laughs> sort of against, especially rich people who were cheap, which I think that was the perception of George Shin. So you even go back to the glory years. And if you look back at some like editorials, people are not like George Shin. And so uh, this, uh, this was, this was a situation that I think even if they had won that series, even if they had gone to a finals, I don't think the city really cared about that. And the Panthers were here. There was split attention at that point in the sports. This was this not... is all specifically like that they wouldn't leave is what you're saying. Yeah, right? no, I, but I don't think, but I don't think the referendum changes because if the if they vote, if the referendum votes yes on the stadium deal, then that mm. makes it more complicated for Ray Wooldridge and George Shin to figure out a way to wiggle out of Charlotte and into New Orleans. But I don't put it past them to sabotage the deal, even if the referendum passes. So they they still could have gotten out, um, e- even if that money would have passed. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting what if. But I, I ultimately I just think that team was destined to move to New Orleans once Woolridge came in, once George Shen said no to Michael Jordan in 1999. Well, and and so for me, was that the question? Because the question for me is if how much does it change history at all? Like you're you're just kind of talking about how if would it have changed them moving. So I'm with mm-hmm. you on that. Like it was probably just too far gone. And if that's, the, would that have made it harder? Is that a dumb question to even ask? Would it have been harder to watch that team leave a oh. year removed from reaching the NBA finals? Or was it just already hard? Cause people love this team. It, it wouldn't have made sense to fans like me. I was a kid, so I didn't, I didn't know any of the politics behind it. You know, I wasn't, I didn't even live in Charlotte, <laughs> so I wasn't a taxpayer. Yeah. So, like, I didn't care about any of that stuff. I just knew that my team was moving. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking then because I loved those players. But it would have, there would have been an extra bit of cognitive dissonance if you're Mm -hmm. talking about, wait a minute, this team just made a finals or this team just made an Eastern Conference finals and now they're leaving? Because I think we've been accustomed to teams bottoming out, being terrible, and then leaving. Uh, But that this would have been a unique situation in that. And, And here's the thing, too. I don't think that them making an Eastern Conference Finals, the referendum passing, and the team staying, I don't think that that changes the fact that George Shen financially was becoming more and more unstable, which that's what happened in New Orleans. He had to sell the team because financially he couldn't keep it up anymore. I think that same thing would have happened in Charlotte. Charlotte would have just had to deal with that instead of New Orleans. It would have been a whole embarrassing thing. Um, I'm not going to call it a blessing in disguise because I don't think moving a team was a blessing. But it also wouldn't have changed that aspect of it either. Yeah. All right. Let's go uh, to the last segment of the day. Coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. After an injury-ridden season last year, we're already starting with one. But we don't have to panic too much. We'll see how it goes. We'll give you an update on what happened. Coming up next on Locked on Hornets. I'm going to get back to the history question in just a moment. But first, I did want to please the tease and talk a little bit about the injury that happened. Doug, you came across an injury. I didn't even see it, to be honest with you. You're the one that broke this news to me. But you're telling me we have another injury that we're dealing with here as Hornets fans? 
Uh, yes, well, we we are contractually obligated as the Locked On Hornets <laughs> podcast to talk about an injury um, each week. And this one happened to Freight Nilakina. That's right, the newest uh, Hornets on the roster. He cannot escape it. You sign a contract with the Hornets and you get injured. He was injured specifically during a World Cup exhibition, an undisclosed injury according to Eurohoops.net. He was playing for France. Uh, they were pray- playing a friendly against Lithuania, um, and now he's not going to compete against the World Cup. It's interesting because we didn't have any players playing in the World Cup, including uh, for the United States. I think a lot of people thought LaMelo would be one of those players playing, but of course he is getting healthy, recovering from an injury. Mark Williams recovering from an injury. So a lot of these young players that would have you know, been targets for that World Cup team not target. So then you have Frank Nilakina. You finally have a Hornet that you may be able to cheer for in the World Cup. No, he's injured. Now he's got to get healthy. Because look, he's got to get healthy because his contract is partially guaranteed. He's going to be fighting for a roster spot. Right, exactly. So we'll keep you updated if anything else happens to Frankie Smokes. uh, Hopefully he's able to at least compete for that job. I mean, hopefully, right? Even if he doesn't get it, hopefully he's able to compete. Doug, I know you had a more interesting question on this what-if scenario because when we think about the most successful team, the Charlotte Hornets in 2001, the team that blew the 3-2 lead to get to the conference finals, that is as far as a Hornets team has ever been in the postseason. So we often go back to it. They were so close. I'm looking at some of the box scores here from that series. It's painful. I'm sure Hornets sickos have done that before. I'm looking at a game two where the Bucks won by just one point. The play-by-play is telling me that the Hornets didn't foul down by one, and then they got the offense. Anyways, I'm not going to go down sicko lane. But <laughs> you think that there's a different series that you actually think is a little bit more meaningful as far as what could have changed? Oh, well, yeah, it's the 2016 series against Miami. You have, you have to remember in that season, they were a, a tiebreaker away from being the yeah. third seed. In those playoffs, there were like four teams tied at the end of, the, of that season, and it all came down to tiebreakers. And so they end up being uh, the sixth seed playing Miami. and but, but, but it was an equal match. And it was an interesting match because Miami took uh, those first two games and, and really walloped the Hornets uh, with, a, with an attack uh, from Hassan Whiteside, and they blitzed Kimball Walker into the ground. And, you know... Clifford had to figure out an adjustment to make to get Kimba freed up. Part of that was Jeremy Lin. Part of that was a a return of Big Al. And they made that thing a series. And Courtney Lee, obviously a huge part, which was we chronicled, was the the midseason trade that involved P.J. Hairston that really turned that season around late uh, because that season was really kind of going nowhere heading into their trade deadline. And then all of a sudden, they, they make this crazy run at the end of the season <laughs> yeah. after that Hairston for Lee swap. And, uh, but if they win that series, now you've got a playoff series win under Clifford's belt. Now I don't think Clifford moves on uh, a season or two later. You know, I, I think he's, he stays on long term and tries to build something around Kimball Walker. Can the, the question would be, after a playoff series win, we know Kimba helped recruit Big Al. But after a playoff series win, does Nick Batum's fall off happen? Is Kimba Walker able to recruit someone else to replace Big Al in the lineup? That's when things get interesting for the Charlotte Hornets. Could they be? Could they still be a perennial contender 
um, in the Eastern Conference or at least somebody that could dust it up if they win that series against Miami because they don't, and then it all falls apart. So a couple of thoughts here. I'm looking at that 2016 bracket. So it doesn't really matter if the Hornets would have won and passed every one of those teams a part of the coin flip because they would have just been the three seed and they would have faced a possible six seed Miami Heat. So, you know, that that doesn't really matter. But if they would have been four or five seed, then they would have had an Atlanta or Boston matchup. Those are the other teams in that mix where well, yeah, well, it, it would have mattered because they would have gotten home court uh, for game seven. That I mean, the well, hive, true. No, the right. hive, the right. hive yep. was alive. The hive was electric when Courtney Lee, uh, you know, won, uh, won that game. That five. was in Miami, right? I thought that was in Miami when he hit the shot. Am I well, wrong about he, that? But he had another, he had another offensive rebound that was big okay. in Charlotte for one of those three victories. So no, he he had multiple plays in that series, uh, but look, I mean, I, I think it would have made a difference because after they lost Game Six and heading back to Miami, I was in I was in uh, Red Eye Diner, which is the version of Midnight Diner that was in yep. the episode, still in the epicenter, I think, or whatever they're calling it these days. And I just remember eating a big piece of chocolate cake, going, hmm. "There's no way, there's just no way yeah. they're winning in Miami. It was over." Well, the other thing I wanted to point out, too, is, all right, so, you know, it's it's tough to say that they could have won this series because Game 7 was ridiculous. The Hornets had no shot at winning Game 7. Let's say they do find a way to move on. At least it did go to a Game 7, so it was a competitive series. If they do move on, they played the Toronto Raptors, and the Raptors were a team that the Hornets had played very well against. So mm-hmm. Toronto was the two-seed that year. They actually had a seven game series themselves against Indiana. Paul George, it was in that in between that era of the team that was competing with the Heat and LeBron James. The goat. And they were transitioning. And Paul George, I know people talk about playoff P. This was actually when playoff George was pretty damn good in those times. And then took Toronto to a seven game series. And then Miami goes to a seven game series with Toronto. And they lose four three. So it's one of those things. All right. Are we having the same convo? Can we play with this enough? Can we stretch out the argument enough to where Charlotte could possibly get to a conference finals before they would get beat down by LeBron and Cleveland? There's no way LeBron is allowing Charlotte to move on. He wasn't going to let anybody do that in the Eastern Conference. But you get the idea. Was there a path for Charlotte to actually get to the conference finals that year? My only rebuttal to the argument that I just had, Doug, they still operated in a way that they were desperate to keep that team together, right? So even if they win, maybe that makes them more aggressive in other areas. But, okay, we have a taste of success. It's been a while. We got to do everything we can to keep Nick Batum. We got to do everything we can to, you know, bring in MKG, make sure he's long-term. We have to, you know, who was the other big contract? Marvin Williams, right? They brought back Marvin Williams. Mm -hmm. And we all agreed with that prioritization of how they dealt with all that, right? Like, because mm-hmm. Jeremy Lin leaves, Courtney Lee is gone. And we thought that was the right move for both of those guys to go elsewhere and to keep Marvin, Nick Batum, and bring MKG along with a better, better contract at that time. So I don't know how much the operations change. Do you think they change? Uh, from the head coaching position, I think. I think, you know, you're, you're keeping Clifford long term. But I think you're yeah. right. I, I think they would have kept the core together. They, because that the, the reasoning at the time, was that, well, you know, they didn't say purple shirt guy, but, you know, we were a purple <laughs> shirt guy. We were a yeah. Dwayne Wade suddenly finding a three-point shot out of nowhere away from a series win. But it would have also meant 
you know, more playoff experience for Kimball Walker. I just think I, I think it would have. Yeah, I don't think it would have changed significantly, but I think you obviously would have. It would have altered the course of Hornets history. You know, I don't think you get. I don't think you get James Borrego, but you don't get Lamelo Ball either. You know, I mean, we're we're here. That's we're, right. Yeah, we're here being sick for a reason. Uh, but I think, I, I think it would be hard for any Hornets fan to admit that they wouldn't take a playoff series win at that moment in time because you know that's part of the despair of this franchise. Part oh, of sure. the reason it's not a joke. This franchise is not a joke. It is irrelevant. Part of the reason that's the case is because they haven't gotten a playoff series win. Yeah, I mean, it leads to LaMelo. And so, of course, you'll you'll choose that. But you're right. I mean, we, we all went to the playoff series win. We wanted it badly. So, yeah, no, it's a good question. And we got some good sicko satchel questions. Yeah, 100% helping us out while Doug is down. But you play well, Doug. It's your flu game. You've played well, Hurt. And so I oh, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, carry me. Carry me out of the locker room. <laughs> I need you. You're my, what, what, was he holding Scotty? Was Scotty the one that yeah. was? Yeah, you're my Scotty. Scotty. It was Scotty helping you out. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for catching us once again, making us your first listen as you do. Just every... don't talk trash about me later, please. <laughs> Is that what they did? Oh, about Michael. Is that what's happening? Yeah, Scotty that... just trying yes, to gotcha. Scotty just trying to drag Michael down oh, yeah. for some reason. I don't get it. Yeah. Oh no. Well, well, now I get it, I guess. But anyways, we don't have to have that conversation. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make your second listen game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, locked on game to game. Covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. 